People pay money to see me in a 20 by 20 ring. Welcome back wrestling fans here for another edition of the 20 by 20 ring crew. I am Joe. I am here with my mystery partner, my partner in crime, Matt. What's going on, man? What's going on? And we're back for another episode. In the background today, we are watching Starcade 1985, The Gathering. Uh, at the moment, we are watching the, well, future Red Rooster <laughs> in Terry Taylor. Is the I believe he's the Mid Atlantic champion uh, against uh, Buddy Landell, who is uh, who's supposed to be with his his manager uh, James J Dillon. But uh, for those of you who have not watched this already, James J Dillon just suffered a beating in the ring two matches ago by uh, Ron Bass by Ron Outlaw Ron Bass. So he's he's not a ringside right now. But uh, I digress. <laughs> We uh, we're back here uh, another episode, and um, you and I had the privilege of joining Mr. Wrestling Six last night at the movies for a Fathom event, a viewing of 350 Days, the wrestling documentary done by RCW and uh, featuring James J. Dillon, primarily uh, superstar Billy Graham. <laughs> Ox Baker, <laughs> Jimmy Superfly Snooker, um, Bret Hart's in there. Oh yeah, Bret Hart's in there. Abdullah the Butcher, yeah. Lenny Poffo, nice little cavalcade of, of former wrestling talent. Yeah. Um, what'd you think of that that documentary? I thought it was a really good retelling for me of what wrestling used to be because. Again, me, I, I, I obviously I'm not going to go into when I broke into the, the business as a wrestling fan. But as soon as I grasped onto professional wrestling, like, I became this, what I like to consider myself, a somewhat of an encyclopedia in the making. Because there's still a lot that I, want, I like to learn. But to dive into wrestling back then and, and to see what it, what it was on TV... And it's always interesting to hear the behind-the-scenes stories of what wrestling was. And there was a lot of things that kind of took me back, you know, uh, things that I didn't know that maybe a lot of you know. Uh, you know, for for example, I, I was, and maybe it's because I always saw him as a straight shooter, but the, the, the drug use of Bret Hart took me by surprise. I, you know what, <laughs> I knew about a little bit of that. But admittedly, I didn't know about the coke. I didn't know about the coke either. Yeah, you know, so. the steroid use, I didn't really know, no, but it didn't take me back. Like, oh my God, he took steroids, especially for his reasoning, uh, which was originally for injury purposes or to heal, healing purposes. But the, yeah, the cocaine really was, that's different. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, it was, it was kind of refreshing. Like, he made no bones about it. Yeah. You know, he was just like, I did it. I don't, he was unapologetic. I don't, yeah, and... I don't I don't regret any of it. You know, it was part of my wrestling career. And... 
that was that. So yeah, and you don't get a you don't get that approach from a lot of guys. Right. It's either straight up denial or they're like I don't want to say over dramatic, but yeah, but definitely loud about it. Like oh yeah, blah 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 blah. But no, he was just like yeah, I did it, and that was that. Yeah, I, I thought it was really cool to, to to hear a lot of these guys, guys that are very familiar with, that I'm very familiar with, obviously Bret Hart, you know, DiBiase, and guys of that nature, and then, you know, hearing other guys that I'm I'm not too familiar with, and even Ox Baker, I've seen maybe <laughs> two of his matches. That's an interesting dude. He, he is very say, interesting. Say <laughs> um it was a really, really interesting documentary. I think it was well done, and it was really cool again to, to hear from first person perspectives of what wrestling was back then. And for me, the most interesting part was, you know, hashtag support the babyfaces, support the heels. What a heel went through in the golden age of professional yeah, wrestling. Yeah, a lot man. of bullshit, man. Holy hell. Some of these stories are just like... And, and you know what? I, I was talking to my wife, actually, about this before um, we got together for the, for this episode. Because she asked me how the show was, how the movie was. And the most amazing thing for me is that when they talked about the things that were happening to them as a heel, they say it with smiles on their face. Because... We did our job. And that's right, they did, but at the same time, it's like you guys were going through hell doing it. And none of them had any regrets yeah. about doing it. That was that was really interesting to, to hear that. The, the mindset of a professional wrestler is really intriguing. Absolutely. And, you know, that is, that is a, a mindset, a point of view that, you don't, you don't, if it still happens today with today's brand of, or, you know, generation of wrestlers, it's, it's not voiced very often. You don't get to hear any of that. You don't, you know, you don't get to hear, you know, it's one, it's one thing to hear, you know, James J. Dillon or, or someone of that nature talk about, or, or better yet, superstar Billy Graham when he's talking <laughs> about, how he went out in the parking lot the, after that one show, yeah, and they had the fans had literally destroyed his Cadillac, it's taking it apart. Yeah, it was like his Cadillac had went through a car bomb. At least that's how he put it. And it's it's one thing to sit here and, and listen to superstar Billy Graham talk about things like that happening, but with a smile on his face. And then you have someone. I'll use Tattoo Unido for example. These days, he, you know, he obviously he has he's he's played a heel, and he he'll tell you he doesn't give a fuck about his Intercontinental Title or or what yeah. have you. But you don't get to see him smile about it. You don't you know we don't get that point of view from Tetsuya Naito, and maybe I don't watch enough interviews or or things of that nature, but. I don't see I don't see that same point of view come from today's heels. Yeah, no, and I think a lot of it too. Again, it it plays into what they talked about on the on the documentary that this was obviously still pre Vince McMahon coming out and saying that we're sports entertainment that we're not we're not real in in the sense of everything that they do. Um, so you have the the fan base, you know, the fan, I should say, that very much looks at it as you would, you know, professional boxing 
and things of that nature just with more more storytelling even then so it, it, it makes sense especially during a time when you obviously don't have social media and the internet all together to tell you hey this is what's going on this is what they're doing it was it was all too real for for so many of those. Now I'm not condoning people taking apart people's cars for it, but <laughs> it was it was all too real for for so many of them. And it's uh, I think that's that's going to be a difference. I don't know if you'll ever get that. I mean, maybe somewhere along the line when when Naito is is, is um, ready to talk about his career in retrospect, we'll hear that. Yeah, but maybe then. Huh? Maybe then. But other than that, no. I mean, it's it's a different time. It's a di- it's it's a different era, and you know, I, me being the younger guy that I am, I, I I tend to lean towards the wrestling we have today compared to that era, and a lot of it too is because it's it's in my face and it's easier to get a hold of than older stuff is. But uh, I, I think the one thing that I would go old school on is is the art of being a heel because man it, it took a lot of I mean here we talk about being a heel you know I and, and I would even talk about CM Punk a guy who I'm a huge fan of talks about being a heel and one one of the bad things about it is merchandise sales and that has nothing on what superstar Billy Graham had to deal with when it came to winning a title against Bruno San Martino. Uh, that was that was crazy to hear him talk about having to make his way from the ring after winning the title to to the locker room and you know, fans throwing stuff at him. Namely he said by the time he got to the back of the crowd, yeah. the fans had already taken their, their big hulking cup of, of beer, had drank it all, emptied it and pissed, you know, filled it up with piss and threw piss at him as he was walking back to the locker room. You definitely do not have stuff like that happen these days in most markets, I should say, right. for wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> and again, that's obviously a good thing. We don't need people throwing pee on, on other people, but it's, again, that that style of wrestling and that style of wrestling fan, for the most part, just doesn't exist anymore. And again... The, the bodily fluids things like we don't need to see that but it, I don't know what, what what's your thought on that like it's do you miss that level of heel or or is what we had today just a product of evolution and it's I don't want to say good enough but it's good for what we have or should the heel the term heel be what it meant during the golden age the original golden age i'm a fan of of golden age heels man there's there's nothing like them and i say i say that those those fans that would like throw piss and stuff like that don't exist or we say that yeah i think that's only to an extent if you oh yeah you know if you dig around online enough you'll see especially at hardcore shows you get you get some of those fans who who get a little over uh, overzealous and Sure, and definitely get into it more more than they should, and sometimes try to put their hands on wrestlers. Yeah. I actually just saw um, something. I think it was posted in our our Facebook group a couple of days ago. 
where there was video footage of a guy who just had enough of, of whatever heel he was watching and decided to try to put his hands on him, so the wrestler just proceeded to beat the piss out of this guy in the audience, and then other audience members got involved. But, you know, again, that's a rarity these days. Yeah. And, and years ago, it w- that was common. Yeah. You know, that was very common. Uh, I miss that. I, I miss... I miss I miss the level of performer that was able to do that with a crowd. And I think part of the reason it's not that way these days is because, especially with the WWE, you know, those guys are watered down. You can only do so much. You can only say so much. Right. They're they're definitely overproduced. And that's a problem when it comes to being a heel. And then you... (laughs) You look at someone like Sammy Callahan, who kind of went into business for himself after fucking up in the ring and decided to be ultra heel, mm-hmm. and it's clearly working. Like right. you have, you have not only tons of fans that were pissed at him, but you have other wrestlers that are pissed at him. Like, what are you doing? You know, there's no reason for you to act like that. But that's what a fucking heel does, right? And, and you brought up Tetsuya Naito, and I think he's one of those perfect examples because. Again, we talked about uh, in the last episode, you know, the Japanese crowd, the Japanese product is a very traditional product. And winning winning a title, whether you consider it a prop personally or not, it's not the point. Winning a title is, a, is, is something that is very honorable. And he won that title, the Intercontinental title, and confetti's coming down, and it should be a proud moment. And he takes that title, and he just flips it in the air. And such saying it's not good enough. It's not, I don't want this piece of shit. <laughs> he kicks it. He he throws it. He breaks it. Broke a piece of it. And you have a, a fan base that is very, very much disrespected by what you're doing. And you are putting yourself in a situation where either this is going to be gold like like what it became or it's going to be the reason why you fall off the face of the earth you know it could backfire easily it's 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 that kind of heel that i think is lacking and it's not just wwe it's 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 many other promotions to where guys are not willing to go as far as they should to antagonize a crowd that is your whole point is to antagonize that crowd and we see so many, so many things, so many, so many times today, where the heel is actually like the most cheered guy in, in the ring, and, and some of that is it's bad, bad timing by the the promotion, the respective promotion that they work for. Some guys are just over to the point where they can't be a heel at this point, or or you have to find another angle to make them a heel all over again. You can't just continue to keep putting them out there the way they've you've been putting them out there, if the crowd is cheering the shit out of them, it's not working then. But you also have guys that are not going all out and completely selling the heelish behavior, and that's that's where it lacks sometimes because again the the the, the art of the heel is. Theoretically, it should be really easy. It should be really easy to piss piss off a crowd, but to some guys, it's not. 
some guys it's it's really hard to antagonize a crowd to the point to where they want to see you get the ever-living shit beat out of you. <laughs> some guys have it, some guys don't. You know, that's another thing Oxbaker said in that documentary that I wholeheartedly agree with and that I miss about the territory days. He said the moment the fans started to even remotely cheer him for all the heel things he started to do or or was doing, he would immediately pack his bags and leave the territory because he knew that he would have to eventually turn babyface and that's not what he was about. He was yeah, a heel. He was a heel. So he would leave and go to a different territory and do it all over again and, and make make more money. You know, for somebody that is super out there, <laughs> Ox Baker says some really interesting things in that documentary. <laughs> we got to get a hold of his cookbook. Yeah. Oh, my God. The... the the way the way he was trying to cook on camera and then like in the middle of it just tell stories. Um, my favorite being him just he's trying to brown ground beef and in the middle of it he's he stops dictating the recipe and just says he starts telling a story about how you know one of the heel things he did was you know mouth off to the fans and he would turn around and tell the fat girl in the front row to go home and lose some weight and it's like. <laughs> it just comes out of the blue. He's like, you know, we're, we're browning this ground beef, and then he goes into the background. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God. It's fucking hilarious. But we, we definitely have to find that fucking yeah, book. I hope there's an audio version uh, of oh, it. If there's not, there fucking should yeah. be. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, the, the, today's today's age of, of heel or generation of heel, they definitely have a certain criteria that they have to work against. Yeah. And I I think the biggest problem for heels these days is what you said a little while ago. And you have a lot of guys who don't they don't approach it with anything but half ass. Yeah. And that's a problem. And you either you you either do that to the the fullest extent or you shouldn't do it at all because you're not going to be successful. And you, as a heel, you're exactly right. You have to learn, you have to know your audience in order to antagonize them properly, Mm -hmm. you know, and to the fullest. And we just don't see that, at least not a whole lot these days. So, is it possible to get back to that golden age? Yeah, of course, but you have to have that individual or individuals willing to go out there and do things to piss off the crowd. Right. To exactly. get on to get on their nerves, and that that again, that's where made that's where made Naito such a great heel was his ability to take something as traditional as winning a title and completely flipping it to something that they've never seen before. And even though Naito eventually kept doing the same things and it got him over as a babyface, it doesn't take away the fact of what he what originally brought him to. The level of superstardom, and that's as a heel. You know, I look at the ECW version of the Dudleys. Oh my god! The way that they would pretty much start riots at those <laughs> at those venues, and you know, I don't know if you can do that anymore this day and age. I don't know if you can. You know, I look at like Heatwave '99. I don't know if you can cut promos like that and get away with it anymore. I, I think you can. You just 
you would you would you would have to give the production crew the heads up, like, hey, I'm going to do this, this, and this. Which company would be okay with that at this point, though? Well, obviously you know? not the WWE. I wouldn't even say Impact Wrestling at this point. You Maybe. don't think Impact either? Not well, not with what they're saying with with Sammy Callahan. Things that Sammy Callahan is yeah, but, he, tone but it down. you know what? He's still on TV and he's still yeah, doing he it. You know, You're look, right. look, they did it to Eddie Edwards. Eddie That's Edwards fair. is now a fucking heel. Yeah, you know, if they really had a problem with it, they wouldn't. You know, they would have probably. But I'm talking down. Heat Wave '99. Yeah, promo. yeah. I mean, you're calling. <laughs> you're throwing a lot of derogatory terms, but in general, I, I, okay, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you that the uh, Sam McCallahan is still on TV. He's still highly promoted. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, they a, a heel tandem like that can definitely still exist, and, and not that it should. You know, you should. The shit that they were saying at that show. <laughs> hey, if you don't know what we're, talk, we're talking about, watch Heat Wave 99 on the WWE Network, 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash WWE Network. Get your subscription through us, please and thank you. Yeah, I don't know if you can say stuff like that anymore, even on pay-per-view. You should. I'm, I'm a full believer in freedom of speech, but there's way too many fucking groups now that would just have a field day. With stuff like that, but again, that's that's the nature of a heel character. You're, you're right. You're antagonizing it, people. I tell you what, if, if you and I ran ran uh, our own prom- promotion and we had a tag team or an individual that said this is what we want to do, I'd let them do it. Yeah, because you're, you're gonna you're, you're going to get a crowd so goddamn hot that it's the epitome of what a heel is. I mean, you look at CM Punk. I, I brought him. I brought him up, even though I, I was talking about him in his t-shirt sales, but his days as uh, the leader of the Straight Edge Society was some of the best heel work that I've, I've ever seen because he took that that character, that, that, that CM Punk character that, you know, there's there's speculation that whether he's really Straight Edge or not. That's I don't care about that. But we'll just call it a gimmick for now. And what I fell in love with CM Punk was because I, at the time, I was in high school, and I was, I, I declared myself straight edge. And, you know, going through all that peer pressure and all that shit, it was really cool to know that there was a professional wrestler out there who was good at wrestling, but was also antagonizing the same people that would make fun of me because I wasn't cool enough to, to party and, and drink and get high and all that stuff. And he was antagonizing those people. He was calling him out, and he said the line, I'm straight edge, and I'm better than you. And I fell in love with him message from that day, because that's what straight edge is all about, and that's what the CM Punk character is all about. When he brought that to the straight to the straight edge society, the WWE, it was the same exact gimmick. Uh, you know. And then he would antagonize all these other wrestlers and declare himself as his, as his savior. He was a savior of everybody that wasn't like him. And everybody that wasn't like him was toxic and they were living toxic lives. And it just it pissed off that crowd to no end. And he just rubbed it in and rubbed it in and rubbed it in. And there was parts because it was almost like it was essentially a cult, like, uh, like faction. And especially at, at house shows, when you were able to do a little bit more than you could on, you know, on the USA on te- Network yeah, on television. television, you know, people would throw at him, especially in a lot of these 
God fearing towns, <laughs> they would they would they would like yeah people would yell and throw stuff at Punk, calling him the devil. And when that was happening, he would take Luke Gallows, who was in in, the, in a faction with them, and he would whisper to him like, "We did it. We fucking did it." <laughs> like that's what they wanted to do. But it's it's taking whatever you're doing and just taking the fans face and just rubbing it in over and over and over again to the point where they can't fucking stand it anymore that's a heel that absolutely that is definitely a heel and i think uh, we can use another uh example with punk the um for recent times in any of the promos he cut that were considered his pipe bomb promos yeah um, oh my god yes any of those it's it's things like that that you have to stoop to to get a rise out of out of a crowd and you're right we live in a different uh day and age and it is really hard for a heel to do heel things but yeah it it's not impossible it might it might be really hard but it's not impossible they're just it has to be done creatively you got to think a little bit more to get it get the job done but it's definitely possible it's it's really and again i i speaking on 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 from a fan's point of view so you may say I'm full of shit because I've never been a professional wrestler, but it's very much easier to be. That's bad grammar there, but <laughs> uh, it's easier to be a babyface, I believe, uh, in really any era. And I'm not talking about mega babyface like Hulk Hogan or anything like that, but just being the guy that people like. I mean, so again, there's some people who just don't have charisma. And therefore, it's hard for, to get people to like you, and that's that's one thing. But that would be the same thing with you trying to be a heel. You either you have charisma or you don't. But to get people to like you, at least to the point where they're not throwing shit at you and stuff like that, I, I think that's yeah. got to be a lot easier. Oh to yeah, do, that's a lot easier. Know? So <laughs> so to to be a bad guy because again. You, you go out there, you bust your ass to be a professional wrestler, and now your job is to get people to hate you on top of all of this. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's a hard thing to do, especially if you're like a Kenny Omega and you're best bout machine. You're putting on, you know, 20-star matches, Dave Meltzer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but at the same time, you're trying to be this mega heel. Not necessarily right now, but... At the, you know during the time during the time where he was the heel Kenny Omega, you're trying to be this mega heel, but yet putting on these matches with an audience that appreciates high level matches. Yeah, so it, 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 he just made it harder on himself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's 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 very it's a very difficult game to play. Speaking of heels, sometimes uh, heels win, sometimes heels lose, and. For the third time in four weeks, we're going to talk about a mega heel that seems like he lost. This, this, at least this match, Vince McMahon, <laughs> Vincent Kennedy McMahon, uh, he blew it. He lost. He lost to the the underdogs because it's happening officially. Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling, a joint production, April sixth, Madison Square Garden. A G one supercard. G one supercard. Holy shit! It's it's, it's got, officially happening. I got goosebumps. I didn't believe you when you said when you told me. It this this is the on. first time in fifty eight years 
that Madison Square Garden will play host to a wrestling event that is not WWE. How fucking cool is that? If That's, you, it's earth-shattering if, for if, wrestling. If you... Like, let that, that statement sink in, because that's a big fucking deal. A big deal. No one ever gets to play in Vince's backyard, except for Vince. Except for now, come April, that all changes. And I can't wait. I fucking can't wait. And I know we're going to hear it sooner or later, but I got to tell you, I got to remind everybody, I'm telling you right now, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks will be at that show. Whether, yeah. whether they're under New, uh, New Japan contract or a Ring of Honor contract, they're going to be at that show, working for that company, those companies. <laughs> we, 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 um, we're on the, at this point, we will be past the expiration dates of, of both, all three guys' contracts. Um, Young Bucks are, I believe, in December, and then Kenny Omega in, in January. So by that point, they would be free agents, and ready to negotiate with anybody. Kenny Omega, I'll start with him. Kenny Omega, on many occasions, has said that he wants to change professional wrestling. He wants to be a part of the change of professional wrestling. Kenny Omega can't do that, be the change of professional wrestling if he is on a WrestleMania card. This can't happen. You're not changing anything besides the company you work for. New Japan Pro Wrestling and Ring of Honor, ladies and gentlemen, you have to understand that they, what they have, what they have done, and what's going to happen on April six, is going to be one of the most earth-shattering shows. Before we have a card, one of the most earth-shattering shows in the history of professional wrestling. You look at the biggest wrestling promotions. From 1960 to now, National Wrestling Alliance never got Madison Square Garden. WCW, billion dollar company, never got Madison Square Garden. You can name any company you want, big or small, never got the garden. Because this was Vince McMahon's, it was in his, it was in his bloodline. Yeah. It, it was pretty much his birthright to, to have Madison Square Garden. And here we are. 58 years later and an independent company and a Japanese company are joining forces to put on a show at Madison Square Garden. First time. And many wrestling fans of the, uh, for, for us in our lifetime and for many of you out there I, I know in your lifetime first time that we'll ever see it. That's that's just insane to think about. We talked about how big All In is. Honestly, I gotta go. This is much bigger. Oh yeah, by by, by far, by far. You know, we we're talking about the Garden, the world's most famous arena, and you have an outsider or outsiders in this case putting on this show. That's changing the wrestling world. That's why I agree with you when you say that Kenny Omega will be at that show. Quite frankly, the only thing at this point that could happen that would be bigger, or would have been bigger, I should say, is that All In would have booked the Garden. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad they just picked Chicago. Yeah, but. of course. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah no, yeah. Absolutely. 
And 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 I know I know you and I are gonna get into some shit online. If I already we, have. If, yeah, if, I was gonna say if you if we already haven't with this whole Kenny Omega and the Bucks leaving the WWE. I I need I need to voice a a, a point of view a perspective that a lot of fans whether you're, whether you're pro pro the elite or anti the elite pro WWE or anti WWE. I think a lot of people still miss this point of view, and this is this is something you and I were talking about before we started recording this episode. I I need everybody to think back at least a year, and we're gonna go we're gonna go back to Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega, he has his uh, his first match with Okada, and it becomes an instant classic. Everybody's talking about it. Meltzer gives it, you know, his his fucking ultra star rating, whatever the fuck you want to call it, and everybody starts paying attention, or I should say, more people start paying attention. Kenny Omega's no slouch. He know he knows what he wants to accomplish in his wrestling career and for the industry. He has that vi- that vision. That most people don't, whether they're a promoter or a worker, mm-hmm. something rare for him for him to be in the spot that he is in is very rare these days. So when he when he was up for renegotiations with New Japan, who's to say he didn't say, "Hey, look, I'll stick around, but I got things I want to accomplish." Yeah, let's introduce. A new title. How about a United States heavyweight title? You guys want to go global? It only makes sense. Give them a, a belt for their country. Mm-hmm. You know, let me let me win it. I'll carry it. I'll use I'll use my, you know, my integrity to back that belt at least right. at least to start it off. Yeah, absolutely. Let's fast forward a little more. He goes. He he continues to be best bout machine, getting better and better. Putting on crazy matches, you know this last one with Okada over an hour. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous and unheard of. This is this is uncharted territory for a lot of people. You have all this momentum, not just from Kenny Omega, but from New Japan, going into this situation at Madison Square Garden. You have a new; they have a new owner. Mm-hmm. You have all these things going on with this company. They're growing exponentially by leaps and bounds. Yep. Who's to say Kenny Omega come December or January? Who's to say he doesn't say, hey, look, or or I should say he hasn't already said at this point, hey, look, you guys want to keep me around. I really want to stay here. Help me help you guys. Last time it was a belt. This time... Let's do something, let's go after something that we didn't previously have or previously didn't think we could do. Enter Madison Square Garden. You mean to tell me that that's never crossed most people's minds? It hasn't. Because a lot of people don't think that way. Yeah. I myself, again, I'm no fucking trailblazer like he is or anything like that, but... I think he's more than capable of negotiating contracts like that. He's a very intelligent person. For him for him to sit there, and, and I don't want to even call it demands, 
just for him to sit there and, and give these these added items to negotiations as fodder for more money or a better contract, to me this is a no brainer. I could easily see Kenny Omega or the and or the Young Bucks saying, Hey look, we need to continue to push the envelope. Why not why not go you know, no fucking pun intended, why why not go all in yeah. and do this, this and this? To me, it just makes sense. A lot of people don't understand that. Like, that, they just don't see that. They just immediately see, oh, Kenny and the Bucks are going to WWE, and then, you know, they're going to headline WrestleMania. Yeah. And, again, that's a whole other can of worms. If you want to hear that can of worms, you can download, like, the past three or four episodes. We pepper it in here and there because, again, we've been through shit online with people over it. But... (laughs) But that's my that's that's the whole point of what I'm saying is my my point of view is one that is not seen very often. Yeah. And man, you you have to if you want to accomplish bigger and better things and change an entire wrestling industry, that is the type of shit you go into negotiating a contract with. Oh yeah. It, it go back to when Kenny Omega was on the verge of signing with WWE. It wasn't that long ago. No. And he ended up not signing because his words, and I again, I talked about this on, on the show, didn't want to be another spoke on a wheel. Yeah, go look it up. Uh, he says it in uh, an article with Forbes magazine of all fucking places. Yeah. <laughs> a, a magazine that is, is credible when it comes to WWE, too, because they, they do a lot of WWE articles lately for some reason. Kenny Omega just doesn't want to be a guy... That it's even if Kenny Omega was main event, you know, the top guy, let's say he's on Raw and he's main eventing most Raws, the top headliner, that's not good enough for for what Kenny Omega is claiming he wants. Unless he's full of shit, which he's proven not to be. He, yeah, he, so far, no. so far, he's not, has proven he's not full of shit. Unless he's full of shit, then, then yeah, it would be great, you know. I'm not saying that Kenny Omega doesn't want a WrestleMania moment. I'm not saying any of that. The difference between you and I is that we're not saying he's not, 100% not going to be there. Where A lot of people are telling me, oh, there's no chance that he's going to not come to WWE. He's going. He's going. Him and the Bucks for sure are going. Vince is going to pretty much give him wheelbarrows of money and, and give it to him. And you know what? Vince has wheelbarrows of money. He can he can make that happen if he wants to pay him in wheelbarrows. That's fine. <laughs> it, it's totally possible. But, again, I'm sticking with just Kenny Omega right now. It's not about money. Yeah, he's got to get paid. Of course. But he's getting paid in New Japan. He's getting paid for doing Ring of Honor shows, and he's getting paid a fuck ton in, in merchandise. Merchandise that he gets to take the majority of. You know, you know where, especially in his pro wrestling tees shop, yeah. he gets most of that. Where it wouldn't necessarily be the case in WWE. And again, I'm not here to talk about fucking numbers, but... The point is, money isn't everything, especially to these guys. You know, they're not going to be, and I hate to say this, but a Dolph Ziggler where they're okay to job, even though Dolph Ziggler is technically the intercontinental title right now, 
but it's okay to job and get everybody else over as long as I get a fucking paycheck. That's not what he's about. It's okay to get other people over, but get other people over for a purpose, for a reason. And you do that by doing shows here in the United States for a Japanese-based company. You know, not only did he win the United States title, the first, the inaugural champion, but where did he do that? Here in the United States. Why is that significant, Matt? I mean, it's the United States title. It makes sense. Yeah, you're right. But that was the very first New Japan show in the United States. New Japan only show, United States. He's headlining that show. That's changing the wrestling world. Madison Square Garden. Let's say he's in the main event. Headlining against anybody. That match right there. Kenny Omega is headlining Madison Square Garden. First guy on a non-WWE roster to headline Madison Square Garden in 58 years. Almost 60 years. Let me ask you. And 100% honesty. If you're in that situation. You main event the Garden. Or you main event WrestleMania. Which do you want at that point? I, I want to be the guy who <laughs> I want to be the guy who's main event in the garden because it's under my own terms. I know I've arrived there through my own successes and not just being another cog in the wheel. And, and and that's me personally. I've never been that kind of a guy. I don't want to be a cog in the wheel. I don't want to I don't want to settle for the equivalent of getting other people over for no fucking reason. That's not me. That's not what I'm about. So, that, uh, yet another reason why I love Kenny Omega. Like, I, I just, man, it, it, it frustrates, frustrates me and you to no end. It's like, how can you not see all of this potential and all this, these awesome aspects of this person? He's trying to change an entire fucking industry. Yeah. You know, one, one super bout at a time, yeah. or, or however you want to calculate it, however you want to set the benchmarks for it and it's like damn you still get those small minded people like oh I fucking hate him cause he's he works for a rival company and like what the fuck but, are you but you want him in WWE though yeah, that, again yeah. that, that fucking perspective I don't get like here you're gonna sit and give you and I shit and people like us shit oh man you gotta fuck you guys and your young bucks and your Kenny Omegas or whatever yeah, those spot monkeys. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're fucking spot monkeys. They're just going to come in and run amok in, our, in the WWE. But the moment there's a fucking hint, a glimpse, a shard of hope that they're going to be at the, in the WWE, all of a sudden they're the best fucking thing in the world. Yeah. I'm like, come on, man. They, really? They, you know, they, they should get all this money that yeah. they are already getting. Yeah. And If not more. If not more, yeah. Look, I... Again, we, you and I are not, for the record, for anyone that wants to bitch and moan up to us, that's fine. You can bitch and moan all you want. We're not declaring Kenny Omega and, and the Young Bucks not coming to WWE. That's not what we're saying. I, I will go on record saying that it's highly doubtful that they will, but I've been proven wrong before, and that's, that's fine. But... The fact that you have, th- you know, again, well, I mentioned Kenny Omega. I did that already. The Young Bucks. The Young Bucks have already proven that they can change professional wrestling. How do I know that? 
all in. The Young Bucks along with Cody, you know, that guy that WWE said uh, they didn't have anything for and he wasn't quite main event level yet. Uh, just two years ago when he left. And they did something that nobody else here in the States has been able to do besides WWE. They sold 10,000 tickets and sold out man sold out in 30 minutes i don't i don't i can't recall the last time i heard about a raw selling out it's been a while it's been a while yeah and it it didn't happen in 30 fucking minutes i'll tell you that much so three guys and we'll take cody out of the picture right now so two two of those three guys matt and nick jackson those spot monkeys as some of you fans like to call them and they with their money booked an arena, promoted the hell out of this thing, and did something that nobody else has been able to do other than WWE since I couldn't tell you when at the top of my head. Uh, If I had to guess, the only thing similar would have been uh, the early 90s when the, uh, the WCW slash... I think it was CMLL mm-hmm. show, that that super show that they did. I think that was the last time anything like that happened, and that was, I think the LA Coliseum, and they drew like a little over thirteen thousand people, which was fucking unheard of for for organizations that size at the time in the states. Because again, the WWF was kind of like the only game in town, if if I'm not mistaken. But again, that's. You figure what, 90, I think it was like 94 maybe? 92, somewhere around there? And we're also talking about a company that had, I mean, they weren't... Yeah, th- this was two companies. Yeah. This wasn't three guys. Yeah, it wasn't three guys. <laughs> so this, this is just something really fucking unprecedented. So you have two guys that have done something, two, uh, two out of three guys that have done something that two companies, or even if it was somebody else, even if our, our, our facts aren't straight there... The fact of the matter is this. The Young Bucks have done something that nobody else has been able to do for a very long time other than WWE. And I ask, why do they need to go to the WWE? What, what are they, you know, oh, they're going to give them wheelbarrows of, of, of money. They've already done that for themselves. Again, they sold out in 30 minutes. This thing is already a success. Yeah, re- yeah, whether you want it to be or not. And they don't even have a match yet. We don't even know who they're, who they're competing against. They might not even have to. I mean, I, I would be a little bummed if they didn't, but I, I want to hear your arguments other than the fact that everybody goes to WWE and everybody wants to go to WWE. All In isn't WrestleMania. We even know nobody's claiming it to be WrestleMania. Everybody wants the WrestleMania moment because, again, you know that. You know that for sure, right? It, it, you're silly. You're silly if you think that that's on everybody's to-do list as a professional wrestler. You know, yeah, a lot of people want that. And perhaps even the Bucks. But at what cost? At what cost is it going to, is, is it going to be? Because you have a ton of money, but you have a tag team whose moveset, by the way, is going to be stripped. Guaranteed. Because everybody's is. And you're left with what? 
guys in colorful gear. Yeah. You know, I don't want to see that. That point of view, it's kind of like saying LeBron James only wants to win an NBA title with the Cleveland Cavaliers. No, LeBron James wants to win an NBA title, multiple NBA titles. So he jumps from team to team whenever the fuck he can because that's what he wants out of his career. That's one of that's one of his goals in his career is to have as many titles as possible. Um I don't agree with how he's going about doing it, but that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. But it's a similar frame of mind. I get it. WrestleMania is the granddaddy of them all. I get it. But I think anyone of anyone of the frame of mind and the caliber that, that you know that Cody has, Cody Rhodes has, or the Young Bucks have, or Kenny Omega, guys like that. They they want to they want to have success just like everybody else. They just don't need it to happen at WrestleMania. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. Um, real quick, just a little fact check for for you and I. Um, we kind of forgot the the golden age of WCW, the the last like golden age of um, the late nineties. I was looking, I was doing a little bit of research on my phone, and um, the nineties were were filled with. Sixteen thousand plus. But again, that was a company that wasn't. No, exactly. I, I yeah. just, yeah, just. I mean, plus, I, I always forget that that crazy Georgia Dome Nitro with yeah. Goldberg and Oh Hogan. my god, that was what seventy six thousand mm. or something like that. And that was a Nitro. Yeah, that was yeah. That but was you're nice. also t- again, we're also talking about a company, a company yeah. that's owned by a billionaire. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this would be the first time since WCW did it. Um. And and again, WCW during the the late nineties because during the two thousands they obviously struggled. Obviously, didn't last more than a year, and then in the two thousands. But anyways, yeah, you're absolutely right. The, as far as the Young Bucks and and Kenny Omega, they have proven time and time again that they are not like everybody else. That they don't need to just collect the paycheck. It's not it's not just about money for them. It's and that's 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 where it, it continues to prove, time and time again, of how special a talent they are, and if they do go to WWE, they they then you know, they go and it'll be a bummer and it'll be really sad to see, and just like it was sad to see AJ Styles go to WWE, it really was. I was I was probably one of the very few people that had absolutely no intrigue on seeing him in WWE because. I knew from the get-go that he was going to be the shitty version of what he used to be, of the phenomenal one, to the point where my wife watches <laughs> one of his matches and she tell, looks at me and says, I don't see what you see in this guy. And I, it's just like, AJ Styles. sit down me, and watch watch a good AJ Styles match, woman. AJ, <laughs> AJ Styles, for me, going to the WWE was, it was still intriguing to me mm-hmm. because, he's he again, he's a very intelligent person. Yeah. Especially in that ring, yeah. And I knew if anybody was gonna get past all that red tape that that the the WWE performers get involved in in their careers, I think if anybody had a fighting chance to surpass that as opposed to succumb to it, mm-hmm. it was him. Yeah. And let's face it, for a little while there, he did. He did just that. Yeah. But. 
he's 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 they finally got him. He, yeah. He's, yeah. <laughs> I uh I don't know when his contract's up and I don't know what his feelings are for the company. I just hope especially seeing that he's getting older and uh I don't know how much longer he's going to be doing this. You know, he's also got kids and all that stuff too. So you have to you have to think that he's and definitely close to to being on his last leg as far as a full time wrestler is concerned. God, I hate to be in a WWE <laughs> ring. I just, I would hate to see that <laughs> wasted wasted years. Um, one more thing too about this this whole Kenny and 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 the Bucks and Cody keeps being brought in there. I, if I had to get a percentage. I give Cody a zero percent chance of going of, of being at this year's WrestleMania. He's, yeah, what, he, he's not going back to WWE right now. He's he's pissed <laughs> off with his his career there, and he wants to leave. So he makes it happen. He leaves. Why the fuck would you want to go back? How does that make any sense? Yeah, he he does what they said that he couldn't do. For those of you listening, and I and I, my God, I hope you're. Don't get me wrong. I love that you listen, but if you're of this following frame of mind, you and I got to talk. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you listening and are of the frame of mind that Cody Rhodes will be returning to the WWE. At least anytime soon. Anytime soon. Yeah. I have a question to ask you. Do you like the job that you have? If the answer is no, even if it's 1%, you don't like your job. Mm-hmm. Why would you leave your job knowing that you don't like it and then go back. Yeah, especially if you find something much better. And you you for, leave, you yeah. find something much better. Why would you go back to the shitty job you just came from? Yeah. And I, and I, you, in, in this case, you can't say, well, the money's better because, yeah, it, again, it's you not. funded your own yeah. show. So I'll leave I'll leave you with that. Chew on that for, for another week. And, 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 again, find us, Twitter, at 20x20crew, Instagram, at 20x20crew, Facebook, facebook.com slash 20x20crew, facebook.com slash groups slash 20x20talk. Come and talk to me. I want to straighten you out. I need to educate you. (laughs) And on that note, we're going to take a small break and hopefully pay some bills. We'll be right back. This episode of the 20x20 crew is sponsored by Amazon Prime. Sign up for a free 30-day trial and you get instant access to thousands of movies and television episodes. You get to borrow Kindle eBooks. You also get unlimited free two-day shipping with no minimum order size. You don't have to purchase. You can cancel anytime and still show the 20x20 crew some love. You can sign up for Amazon Prime through the 20x20 crew by visiting our website at 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash Amazon. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all the support. And now let's get back to the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for hanging in there with us. Uh, thanks for listening. And uh, hopefully you helped uh, pay some bills and support the show. That is always appreciated. Yes, thank you. And uh, now that we're back, man, we're, we're about to piss a lot of people off. I think that's kind of one of the ongoing themes of this show, apparently. Well, you, you know what we are. I mean, we are the, the, the golden age of podcast heels. That's just, <laughs> that's just what we do. So this, uh, ladies and gentlemen, 
is not and probably never will be a mixed martial arts or UFC podcast. The only reason we're going to talk about it here for a minute is because of uh, a frequent show topic in the form of Brock Lesnar. Um, he's still a wrestler at this point. He's still a sports entertainer. So, Wait, who? <laughs> so, so we're going to cover cover some some shit that went down with him. Only because we we feel we need to explain to to some fans out there what exactly went on, because there's a bit there's a bit of confusion there. I think I think some people are jaded <laughs> by say the least. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, correct me if I'm wrong, but the most recent UFC pay per view or show was UFC 226. That's correct. All right, and uh, I don't really watch UFC, so clue me in. That main event was Daniel Cormer yeah. versus... Dipe Miocic. And it was for the UFC heavyweight title, yes, right? Okay. Yes, uh, Miocic was the uh, UFC heavyweight champion. Uh, Cormier was the light heavyweight champion, but this was like one of those catchweight fights. Or no, it wasn't a catchweight fight. It was... Uh, he pretty much just moved up in weight class for this fight. Okay, so he he moves up in weight class. He takes the fight. He wins the fight, becoming the second simultaneous double champion in UFC history. Yeah. Uh, behind... Um, Conor McGregor. Conor fucking McGregor. <laughs> <laughs> and then he also joins another elite group uh, of UFC champions. He is the fifth... He is the fifth UFC participant to hold multiple titles uh, out of uh, the entire UFC history. Uh, joining the the likes of uh, Randy Couture, George St. Pierre, yeah. um, and, and people of that caliber. So uh, definitely no slouch, no slouch yeah, is I mean, there. You're probably talking about a future Hall of Famer, Daniel Cormier. I, yeah, I would assume so. I, I know enough to know that that's probably a, a, a sure thing. So Daniel Cormer finishes the fight. He Joe Rogan gets into the octagon and interviews him. Typical UFC night so far. Yeah, right. That's what and, Joe Rogan does every every time. But then things take a turn for the bizarre. The, yeah, yeah, that's a good <laughs> word for it. Things take a turn for the bizarre, and Daniel Cormer decides he's going to ask for the microphone from Joe Rogan, and he proceeds to call out Brock Lesnar. Now, before we start dissecting this, I'm just going to finish off the situation here. Okay. So, Daniel Cormer calls out Brock Lesnar, who who is at at uh, ringside, and you know he's standing up, he's standing there. He comes immediately into the octagon, and immediately pushes Daniel Cormer. Cormer goes to push him back. A bunch of people get uh, in in their way so that they don't uh, beat each other up or whatever. And Cormer starts jawing with Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar starts jawing with Daniel Cormer. Essentially, they're going to set up a fight with each other. Now, let's rewind and go back and look at it from our perspective. Because the big the big hubbub with this situation, why we're covering it is, you have a lot of UFC fans and sports entertainment fans who cannot accept that this was premeditated. This was a work, ladies and gentlemen. 
whether you like it or not, whether you believe us or not, we've been watching enough sports entertainment and wrestling throughout the years to know when a work is a work. Okay? We're going to dissect it for you. We're, we're going to fucking dissect the shit out of this. <laughs> for those of you who don't see what we're seeing, man, prepare to have your fucking notepad out, pencil, take some notes. So, Daniel Cormer grabs the microphone from Joe Rogan. Now, Joe Rogan, I'll buy his his smile on his face when Daniel Cormer says, Hey, Joe, let me get that microphone. Yeah. Okay, I'll buy that one. But Daniel Cormer proceeds to call out Brock Lesnar. You could hear it in his voice. He's, he's almost on the verge of laughing. Yeah. Then Absolutely. they pan the camera over to Brock Lesnar who has a fucking shit-eating grin on his face. He's already standing up at ringside, away from his chair. Yeah, that's that's the red flag. Okay. The first initial red flag yeah. for me. So, and, 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 and it isn't like he's by himself or with other uh, members of ringside. He has security with him. There, there's other personnel that normally wouldn't be there if he's just sitting there enjoying the show. <laughs> yeah. They're all standing there. He immediately walks in the ring with his happy ass. He gets in the ring. He pushes Cormer. And they start jawing back and forth. And they do say things back and forth. And, you know, there's, you know, Lesnar curses. And Cormer says, you know, yeah, go ahead, push me now. But, you know, I'll put you to sleep later. (laughs) That drew a big pop from the crowd. But the entire time Brock Lesnar is talking to Daniel Cormer, again, he's smiling, he's almost laughing at times. And to, to, to cap it all off, to end the night, to end this work, Dana White gets in between them. And it isn't like, hey, hey, back the fuck up. You know, stay away, you know, who, you don't, you know, there's no fight yet, just relax. None of that shit. Yeah. He's casually walking in between them. Yeah. And he's got a fucking shit-eating grin on his face, too. And he's like, all right, come on, guys. Yeah. Come on, come on. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> so if you believe any of that shit was real, man, I am so sorry to to inform you of your, your misinformation. Yeah, I'm also... Uh... A foreign prince, and he should have wired me uh, $10,000. <laughs> I'll send you the email later if, you, if you're that gullible. Look, again, Brock Lesnar was, was not in his chair. He was standing right outside the cage door uh, waiting, waiting for his cue. Waiting for his cue. Oh, boy. Uh, DC... Again, when he took that mic, he he was he, he knew what he was doing. Yeah, he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. He it was very scripted from that point on, and and again, the moment he got pushed by Lesnar, both guys had a grin on their face. Now, you and I have had our fair share of confrontations in the past, mm-hmm. not with each other. But we've had our fair share of confrontations. How many times have you pushed somebody or been pushed and had a grin on your face? Never. Not once. Yeah. It, it, it's not something that comes comes to mind for me either. It's not, oh, that was funny. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to fight. We're going to fight. And I'm going to, you know, I'm smiling about it. So 
DC obviously isn't the best uh, sports entertainer. Brock Lesnar has proven he's not the best sports entertainer. And and then Dana White has, has proven he's not the best promoter when it comes to sports entertainment. That's This right here is a work 101 <laughs> that they couldn't even execute correctly. Yeah, I, I, just from, from the get-go. And I've, I've read multiple reports that uh, Miocic was given the same script, that uh, this was going to be either DC versus Miocic, or I mean uh, DC or Miocic versus... Uh, Lesnar for the whoever's basically whoever's going to be the UFC heavyweight champion because in order for Lesnar to come back I'm assuming he's going to want a title shot um why he deserves a title shot I don't know I mean this is a guy that couldn't fight Mark Hunt without taking medication to to lower his uh, estrogen level because apparently that's super high for him and gets suspended and then comes back a couple years later or a year later or so, and get the title shot. But, you know, I digress. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the fact that he's a draw, the, look, again, thank you for listening, but if you think that Brock Lesnar is a draw, you are the problem with everything that is Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Because uh, he shouldn't be a draw. He I, should not. I, I don't see how he is a draw still. But, again, DC has the biggest smile on his face. Lesnar who can't cut a promo after all these years, cannot cut a goddamn promo. He has a, you know, a, a, a big grin on his face from the get-go. And, and then Dana White, again, Dana White can't even sell it. He yeah. can't even sell it No, No point. sell, man, no sell. And so there's a lot of you that may be MMA fans, and, and there's some for sure that I, I know listen to the show that are MMA fans and don't like it when I come out and I say, that MMA is not what it used to be, and that there's a lot of skepticism, but not just me, because I'm just one guy, but by many out there that it's not as legit as so many claim it is. And <laughs> look, I, I don't want to get into that topic again, because I brought that up before, and that's, that's a whole other topic that probably doesn't need to be discussed on a wrestling podcast, but... We're talking now Brock Lesnar back in UFC. He's going to have this fight when it's it's still unannounced, at least as far as my knowledge goes, it's unannounced. But it's it's gonna happen. And you do this. You know, if you're UFC, you do this. And I have to say, this is a very dangerous thing. Because even if it, even if they pulled it off, even if D C didn't have a smile on his face, even if Dana White made it believable that, oh, my God, Brock Lesnar, you, you can't be here. You know, you need to get out of this ring right now or octagon, whatever you want to call it, right now. Even if you you pulled it off, it's still a work. It's still planned. It's still staged. And you leave that doubt in, in, in many people's minds of how legitimate is this product now. If you're going to do this, and you and I talked about this before the sh- before the show, what should have the the first red flag actually wasn't uh, Brock Lesnar standing outside the, the the cage. It was actually DC calling him out because what was the point to call him out? What was the reason to call out Brock Lesnar other than the fact that you were told to do so? 
didn't make a whole lot of sense. No, it, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, you didn't build it up the way that you should have to where it's well. Brock Lesnar is is you know maybe Dana they do a press conference. Brock Lesnar is announcing he's coming back to UFC and he's going to face the winner of this of this fight, or don't do that. Whoever wins the fight wins the fight, and then Brock Lesnar comes marching in unannounced, and he confronts the winner. That would have made much more sense. Again, if you're going to take something from professional wrestling, I mean, you got to pay attention because that's <laughs> that's what they did, though. You know, it's I'm not we're not being conspiracy theorists. This is it was as black and white as we're making it sound. There's there's no chance in hell that this was unplanned. Again, you're talking about fighters. You're supposed to be talking about fighters. Fighters don't have shit and grins on their face when they're in the middle of a confrontation. You know, promoters of fighters who see dollar signs in their eyes don't have shit and great grins on their face when these confrontations are happening. They have looks of fear, like, oh my God, they're going to kill each other yeah. before. <laughs> you know, you look at. Ken Shamrock and Tito Ortiz. Those guys hated each other. That's not a work. Yeah, see, that's where this this Lesnar-Cormer situation doesn't work because they don't have that pre-existing beef, that, that history, or, or I should say immediate history, because, I, again, I don't watch the product, so I couldn't right. tell you if they've ever faced off against one another. But I'm saying in, in the... In the immediate sense, like I'd say within the past few months, we'll we'll say what. So UFC does one major show a month, right? Yeah. Okay. So that's fair to say. So let's give them three or four months. So okay. we're talking three to four shows. It would have made more sense for Lesnar to have fought Cormer three or four months ago, and then this would have been the the rematch. That would have made sense. Yeah. That they could have easily been more believable that way, even if they were approaching this work half-assed. <laughs> it would have been it would have been somewhat believable because they would have already fought, and now this is hey Lesnar wants a rematch. That I get, but Lesnar's coming from a completely different company. He has no fucking business being there other than as a spectator. Yeah. Make him be that, like you said. Make him just come in and storm the, storm the octagon, right? And start shit with Cormer. That makes much more sense. That is much more believable than fucking Cormer coming out and, you know, laughing about shit. And hey, come on, uh, I'm gonna call you out. Like, get the fuck out of here. I don't believe you for a fucking second. <laughs> Again, it's as black and white. As, as we've made it sound and look you can give me your opinion on it all you want and, and I respect it but you have to throw me some kind of some kind of proof because we dissected the shit out of this and everything has the same result you ready you ready for a, a, work. You, you ready for another bombshell to be dropped oh let's hear it guess what guys all you UFC fans out there you know what else wrestling has these days dirt sheets you know what a dirt sheet is? It's fucking rumors and gossip that travel the internet like fucking crazy all the time, every day, multiple times a day. Thank you, Dave Meltzer. Guess what? 
if if we're watching uh, works being attempted in UFC, I can guarantee fucking damn you that there are dirt cheats about to happen if it, if they already haven't happened. Not only with this situation, but with the UFC going forward, if it if it already hasn't happened. Again, I don't pay attention to the product, so I'm not constantly looking up UFC rumors or whatnot. But right, right. I mean, that's logical. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, get ready for that, too. And guess what? Once they're out there, they're probably going to become unavoidable, especially if you're a fan. And it's it's a really dangerous, dangerous thing to do when you're an MMA product in UFC and you start diving into works like this. Because, again, you have credibility that you need to think about. And you have a fan base that looks at professional wrestling as a joke as a joke and you're going to take part in in that and there, there goes your integrity yeah and it's, <laughs> and, and that's that's what I was talking about to you earlier Joe uh, on, on before the show was UFC is the only consistent company that puts out pay-per-views you know, a lot, of, a lot of companies have streaming services now, which UFC does too. I know because I'm a subscriber to, to UFC Fight Pass. And I like it because, no, I don't. I haven't watched 226 in its entirety, or at least actually at all besides the, the work, which that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but I get to watch, you know, last month's pay-per-view as well as uh, Pancrase, they still do their, their have their shows and other products that they are affiliated with on on UFC Fight Pass for ten bucks, ten bucks. Yeah, I don't get to watch it live, but for those that need to watch it live or want to watch it live, you know, you're paying if you're if you're ordering at home, you're paying fifty plus dollars a month on UFC events, and you have to ask yourself how if you're if you're MMA product and you're real that's what mma is is it's supposed to be real okay and you start putting doubt in your fans mind well you're probably gonna end up hurting your buy rate by a lot yeah because let's face it i mean as as a similar product and and i use that term loosely you know, sports entertainment or wrestling and the UFC, yeah, there's a lot of fans that get into both of those fandoms. Yeah. But there's a lot of fans that don't. Right. And, you know, despise professional wrestling. So for for you to to put that into your product that has nothing to do or, or claims to have nothing to do with professional wrestling... You yeah you really are putting yourself in you're putting your product and your company in jeopardy by doing so because now you're gonna have a lot of those, especially those hardcore fans like oh my god what the fuck are they doing you know right because this, this I'm not saying it's gonna happen this way but let's face it <clears throat> it, it it could be the the proverbial floodgates you know yeah it could be that gateway into doing other shit. <laughs> and 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 then what? And, and, you know, are, are you still gonna be? Are you still gonna want to pay as a UFC fan? Yeah. Are you still gonna want to pay fifty plus bucks to watch fights that 
aren't real or, or not perceived as real. Right. I know I wouldn't. If you were uh, watching one one product and, and it altered the way that it did, it's it's really hard to uh, to stay loyal to that company. That's the whole reason I don't watch boxing anymore. I you know I just I get tired of. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, I grew up during the, the Tyson era. Yeah. And I got to see pretty much every fucking Tyson bout that there was. Thanks to my my uncles, but yeah, you know you you grow out of that. You 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 well, I did anyway. Yeah, you know, you you're like fuck. This is just so shitty. Yeah. You know that you, you. I mean, I'm not saying Tyson wasn't a beast, right? But before you went psycho, <laughs> <laughs> but just boxing in general, you yeah. get those big bouts. I mean, look Floyd Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather, him and Conor McGregor. Well, seeing that that fight alone, right there, that's that fight right there is is why I I look at the situation. I say, well, they UFC still has hope, even if your fan base buys buys into the fact that this is indeed a work. Because again, it is a work. The the Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather fight. There's way too many people that believed that that was a legit fight. <laughs> God damn! And and for those of you out there who I believed. That it was a legit fight. Again, I don't want to sound like, you know, a Debbie Downer, but there was no chance in hell that that was a, a real fight. That payday, that payday that Conor McGregor got to lose that fight, and he looked like shit in the, in the <laughs> ring. I mean, for somebody who's a striker, to, to not even be able to have, to have zero boxing ability whatsoever, how believable is that? You're a fucking striker. You tell me you you've never sparred boxing. Like you you never learned the fundamentals of boxing. For those that believe that was a legitimate fight, on an unrelated note, I have ocean front ocean front property in Arizona that I would like to sell you. We yeah, we got so much shit to fucking sell you guys. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, you know, that you know I, I'll admit, I watched that fight uh, illegally. Yeah, I was going to say, I know you didn't pay for that. I didn't pay jack shit for that fight. <laughs> and and honestly, I probably watched the first three rounds. Yeah. And then I got bored of it. And uh, the only reason I, I even put the fight on was for my wife. She got caught up in the hype, and she's like, I want to see what this is about. And I'm like, honey, I'm not paying all that money to watch these motherfuckers fight. So what was it? A hundred bucks. It was a right? hundred bucks. Yeah, hundred bucks. I was like, no thanks. So I found an illegal stream and we watched it in the comfort of our own bed. There you go. Just hanging out, chilling. And uh, after three rounds, I was like, I can't take much more of this shit. I'm going to bed. And I did. And she sat through the rest of the fight. And she was like, I can't believe I just wasted. <laughs> All this fucking time in my life. These are minutes I will never get back in my life. And I'm like, you wanted to watch it. So, there it was. At yeah. least we didn't pay a hundred bucks to see Yo, Exactly, bullshit. yeah. I mean, it, it was it was free time wasted. <laughs> uh, I guess that's that's one good thing. But yeah, it's, it was, it's that same situation where you have a fight. A legitimate fight between two guys that should want to outdo the other and ladies and gentlemen it was a work the whole thing was a giant work it was a work that's all it was i mean what what fight would have all of these press conferences that they sold tickets to 
I mean, that didn't that didn't set any red flags to anybody. Oh man! You know, again, we don't need to sell you ocean property in Arizona, or, or you know, you don't need to wire us any money because we're princes and kings that need fucking money for some stupid bullshit reason that people fall for for whatever reason. We don't need to do that because they already did it. They suckered you for as much money as they possibly could. Neither guy got hurt, and they made a fuck ton of money. And you know what? They probably will. If if, if Conor McGregor can get one of two things, if he can get uh, Uf, uh, back in good graces with UFC and Dana White, which the amount of money that this would bring, I don't see that being a problem, or find another promotion that can bring in that kind of money, this is going to happen again inside yeah. of an MMA octagon or circle or in a cage. Yeah, it'll happen again. And it's it's going to be the same bullshit that nobody's going to get hurt. Everyone's going to be come up just fine. And both guys are going to make a fuck ton of money from your... The fact that m- majority of people out there are gullible. And it's it's unfortunate. And, and I, I'm going to... Again, this is where we sound like the bad guys. But... <laughs> You and I are not that stupid to buy into that shit. No, I'm not. You know, sorry. <laughs> you can't sell us on that. We we watch professional wrestling, but you know, professional wrestling has the balls to say, "Yeah, we're predetermined." Yeah, yeah. Yep. We we have the balls to say it, and I'm not saying you know for everyone out there, I'm not saying that it's it's all fake, but. Or, or at all fake, you know, I'm, and I'm not saying they're not athletes and all that shit because, again, I'm a fan of professional wrestling and I get irritated by people calling yeah, exactly. professional wrestlers not athletes. These guys are athletes. No doubt about that. And, and DC's legit. And so is Stipe Miocic and, and, and all these other guys that, that competed at 226 and, and all their uh, MMA, UFC fights and MMA fights, men and women. It's situations like this that really make me a skeptic and it questions the uh, how legitimate the, the MMA is or in this case UFC I don't want to put MMA as a whole yeah. but UFC, UFC. Um, because again you are the biggest MMA company in the world and you have a draw in, in Brock Lesnar whether I like it or not he shouldn't be a draw but he is and the fact that he, you know, is a heavyweight and he wants the heavyweight title and, and he goes after the heavyweight champion, whoever that may be. In this case, it's DC. It's a work. Now, what what worries me about this, this situation now is, so yeah, they're, they're supposedly going to fight each other. What happens now? Do, um, do we find out after the fact? That when Brock Lesnar negotiated his his new UFC contract, that he demanded he win the title. <laughs> you know. Yeah. What happens then? What yeah. ha- What happens then to the UFC and, and to its fan base? I'm interested. I'm I'm not saying that'll happen because I I hope and pray it doesn't. Because let's face it, I've been putting it up. I've I've been putting up with his bullshit antics as a champion for quite some time now and I don't want to see any other fucking organizations affected by him don't get me wrong once he's gone out of the WWE I'll be fucking glad because he's a piece of shit to say the least but but 
again, that I have to bring that up. Like, if he negotiated a UFC contract with the promise that he wins a belt, does that mean Cormer throws the fight? And then if that if that happens, how long does Brock Lesnar keep that heavyweight title? How long is it before that title goes to shit? You know, and what happens to the UFC where it's supposed to be a legitimate company where people fight each other? That's what worries me. So, and this might not be the the best way to to do this, but I'm gonna do this anyways. Let's compare Brock Lesnar and uh, and Daniel Cormer because you have Brock Lesnar who hasn't had a, f- a fight since 2016. Um, prior to the fight of 2016 at UFC 200 against Mark Hunt, uh, it was December 30th, 2011 against Alistair Overeem when he got fucking murdered by Overeem. He claims he was hurt, but you know if you're hurt, don't fight. Yeah, don't fight. So there's no excuse. You you got think, your you got your ass handed to you. I think that was the last Brock Lesnar UFC spot that I watched. Yeah. And I think I watched that one illegally too. <laughs> Sucker. So since then, Daniel since that December fight, Daniel Cormer has had fourteen fights compared to Brock Lesnar's one. <laughs> and with all due respect to Mark Hunt. It was against Mark Hunt in a fight that ended up being a no contest because Brock Lesnar couldn't pass a drug test. Daniel Cormier has had those 14 fights, and he's lost one to, to John Jones, and he technically lost another one to John Jones, but that was overturned to a no contest because, again, John Jones couldn't pass a drug test. Um, <laughs> But let's look at guys that he that he's beaten. Uh, Anthony Johnson twice. Anthony Rumble Johnson, one of the hardest hitters in UFC. He choked him out both times. Uh, Anderson Silva, even though he's older at this point, beat him by decision. Alexander Gustafson, beat him by decision. Stipe Miocic, heavyweight champion of the world, knocked him out in the first round. Dan Henderson. Tapped him out. Patrick Cummings, TKO. He's beaten a laundry list of dudes, and that's just the last his last fourteen fights. He's also uh, he also beat uh, Josh Barnett, which I take. <laughs> I'm very happy about that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Fuck Josh Barnett. Yeah, fuck you, Josh. Roy Nelson, another guy. Frank Mir, a guy that uh, Brock Lesnar was beaten. He beat. So so did Cormier. Brock Lesnar. And his his time in in, uh, in UFC, one on one against Frank Mir, defeated uh, Heath Herring by decision, defeated a forty five year old Randy Couture yeah, for the title, that. TKO, uh, Shane Carwin beat him by submission, and then it gets then you fight a, a red hot Cain Velasquez, TKO in the first round he loses, Cain uh, Velasquez beats him, takes his title. And then, a little over a year later, he uh, he fights also Overeem and again gets murdered <laughs> by Overeem. Brock Lesnar doesn't doesn't have much of a shot here. This is this is not quite CM Punk, but it's almost CM Punk when it comes to DC. <laughs> you know, they're they're similar age. I know DC's older now; he's thirty nine years old. But Brock Lesnar's forty one now, so he's actually older. He has very few fights compared to DC, 
and the the level of competition that he's had that he's beating I should say uh, is, is nowhere near what, what DC has and again Randy Couture one of the greatest to ever step foot in the octagon but again 45 years old at this point when he lost to to Brock Lesnar I don't I don't want to take a victory away but it's it's definitely not Couture in his prime right um, and you can say the same thing about Dan Henderson losing to DC. Again, not in his prime anymore, but at the same time, everybody else that has come that he he has put been put up against, with the exception of John Jones, he's beaten. And you have to wonder if John Jones wasn't doping, would that fight have ended differently? Anyways, yeah. So we're talking about a guy that. If you know, if I'm an, a Vegas odds maker, Brock Lesnar is to call him an underdog is an understatement. Uh, I mean, he's 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 got little to no chance against DC. If he wins this fight, especially if it's you know, if, if he wins this fight, it'll pro- probably be decision. And when it's decision, that's when it really same thing with boxing, where it's like, well, how legitimate is this? Because it's like, yep. and now it comes to to the to the human effects, and it's. Well, in my opinion, he won this. Well, how? How did he win this? <laughs> and they don't have to explain it. You know, they they don't have to at all. And so, I don't see DC at his level saying, "Okay, I'll yeah, I'll get, I'll tap out to him, or I'll get to, I'll take the TKO." Like it'll be pretty much what you saw with the CM Punk fight, where I just won't beat him. I just you know. I'll make it look better. I think he'll make it look a lot better, but it'll pretty much be even if I got him on the ropes, I just won't finish the fight, and I'll take my payday, and it'll go to decision, and Brock Lesnar wins the title. Man, see that's pretty interesting too because that the CM Punk's last fight against I forget the opponent's name. Yeah, so do I. Uh, but that guy was accused by Dana White of. Not finishing the fight on purpose. Yeah, and he fucking let that guy have it. He I gave, think he released him. Yeah, he <laughs> he fucking gave him the business. Is like you need you don't need to be here. Yeah. So if if this Cormer fight goes and the same thing happens with this fight, how does Dana White approach that one? You know, do, does he give it give it the okay because it's possibly in Brock Lesnar's contract that he he's guaranteed to win that fight like how fucking hypocritical is that you know when it comes to Brock Lesnar that's that's pretty much been the story of his career where guys have just become hypocritical because so many things that you're not able to do or you're not allowed to do he is and I you know for your youngins out there close your ears but he's got to be the greatest dick sucker I, I in the world <laughs> I, I mean how how else do you do you get these these guys in charge, Vince McMahon, in this case Dana White, to just roll over and let you do whatever the hell you want to do? I understand he's a draw, but you know we're also talking about, and I'm going to sound like a major heel here, but we're also talking about the WWE. You can throw a, a French poodle in there and make him make that dog a fucking huge draw, and they'll buy it. They'll buy into it. That's the reason why that company is in the shithole the way that it is, because they buy into all this fucking nonsense. And I don't know, again, I'm a casual 
UFC fan, I do give them my 10 bucks a month. But I, I, I subscribe to a lot of streaming services. I was just telling you, my wife yells at me all the time for all that shit. <laughs> but I, I know enough to, to know that, especially after the Conor McGregor fight with, with, with Floyd Mayweather, that people are willing to buy into nonsensical bullshit. And that's what this is. That's exactly what this is. There's no reason why Brock Lesnar should be the number one contender for the UFC heavyweight championship when his last fight, he couldn't even beat Mark Hunt, who's not even a top contender in UFC, cleanly. I would actually respect Brock Lesnar in the UFC at this point if he were to have entered a UFC press conference and you know announced that he was back and that he wanted a title shot, whether he deserves it or not. I think that would have been much more logical and much more believable if he were just like, hey, I'm back as a UFC uh, mixed martial artist and I want a title shot. I don't care what has to happen. I don't care who I have to go through. You know, approach it that way. And then Dana White, go ahead and, oh, you know, you just came back. There's no way you're getting the title shot. And then have Cormer open his mouth say, you know what? I'm a fighting champion. I'll fight him, even if he just came back. That's much more believable. But you know what, ladies and gentlemen? That's like one of the oldest storylines in professional wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> so I wouldn't be fucking impressed. I'd respect Brock Lesnar a little bit more for having some, some common sense to fucking work with people. And uh, kind of legitimize the situation. But other than that, it's nothing new. At least not to me, the professional wrestling fan. So if I'm this two guys right now, uh, I'll throw out names. Derek Lewis and, and Curtis uh, Bladis, if I'm hopefully pronouncing that correctly. Currently, Stipe Miocic is the number one ranked contender for the UFC heavyweight title. Derek Lewis would be number two. Uh, he defeated uh, number four ranked Francis Nagano at 226. Uh, corner Brock Lesnar. Apparently, Nagano is also a piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> that was his uh, his great promo work right there. And then Curtis Bladis, who is on a, a crazy winning streak right now, um, his his last non win was a no contest that he actually won, but uh, very a la Matthew Riddle uh, failed a marijuana drug test. <laughs> but again, he's he's on a roll here, and those guys who have been busting ass and winning fights, they gotta go wait because Brock Lesnar, guy who hasn't had a fight, uh, hasn't had a win in UFC, a legit win that wasn't overturned in uh, eight years. Wow. He he gets to have the fight because he's the draw as. <laughs> And, 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 and since when does a sports company, because that's what they are, right? They're, this is a sport, and this is a sporting company. Not sport entertainment. It's sport. Since when do they put the draw over the legit contender? It's like, it's, it, it's, it's like baseball, and it's like, well, the New York Yankees should be in, in the World Series every single year because they're the draw, right? They're the biggest team. Right? 
<laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. You got to play the games. Yeah, that's why the season's played. And same thing with with MMA. You want a shot at the heavyweight title? Well, you beat the other contenders. Derek Lewis did that against Nagano. He should be the next guy in line. Yeah, all all those guys' efforts and records and stats kind of go out the window at this point. Like all their hard work just gets overshadowed by some dick with a contract, essentially. Yeah, and because you know we're all about selling tickets and and this and that, and that that's that's where again you begin to lose credibility as a sporting company. You become no better than sports entertainment. Hashtag professional wrestling. I mean, you can call us what you want, but we just we just threw facts at you. <laughs> I, I love to hear a rebuttal. And um, I know there's they're out there. They're out love there. And, and you know what? You can reach us on Twitter at 20x20crew. On Instagram at 20x20crew. Facebook.com slash 20x20crew is our official page. But we would much rather you not only like our page, but also uh, come talk to us on our group, uh, our Facebook group, 20x20. I'm sorry, Facebook.com slash groups slash 20x20talk. And YouTube. Uh, We need subscribers, folks. We're doing uh, a giveaway at 50 subscribers. Just go to our main page, uh, our home on the web, 20x20crew.com, and find the YouTube link, or just follow 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash YouTube. It'll take you right to it. Hit that subscribe button. Again, we'd love to hear from you. Our our email address, 20x20crew at gmail.com. I don't know what else to say. I know we just pissed off a fuck ton of people, yeah, it, but I tell you what, we're gonna leave it at that. We're gonna end the show. We're gonna give them a whole week to sit and listen and process and <laughs> chew on that fat. And uh, next week we'll we'll figure out. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll we'll have stories over the week of how we. Uh, oh yeah, we had we had a near full here and there. So yeah, uh, before we go, I just want to give a shout out to my partner here because he is the man with the crystal ball. Uh, we talked about G1 picks, G1 climax, firing squad hashtag firing squad. <laughs> that Tomatonga pick is really interesting right now. I just want to point that out. We're gonna we're gonna dive into that more next week. Uh, this guy right here though, he never ceases to amaze me with with his picks and his predictions though. It's it's all in my giant head. <laughs> So, I just watch too much wrestling. Yeah, we both do. <laughs> and we hope you do too. As always, hashtag support professional wrestling, support the heels, support the baby faces. And on that note, until next week, we will see, see you, you in, in the, the ring. ring.